0: for tuning in to The Archive, brought to you by the Mail Tribune. I'm Alyssa Corman, and I'll be sharing the news with you from 100 years ago in this splendid city of Medford and Jackson County at large in 1918. (music) This week, it looks like things are getting rowdy up on the Siskiyous. The Fourth Liberty Loan Campaign is getting ready to launch, and an exciting event related to the war graced our city. Sound interesting and mysterious? Then get comfortable, stay tuned, and I'll fill you in. First, I've got an important update for you. The change in the Daylight Savings Plan, which has been in force since March 31st last, and the time for turning the clocks back an hour to the time formerly used will not come on October 1st. According to the Daylight Saving Law passed by Congress, the time for setting the clocks back will be at 2 a.m. on the last Sunday in October, and this time will be continued in force for the next six months, when the clocks will be set an hour ahead again. The final chapter in the mystery of the German steel helmet has now drawn to a close. The Medford Post Office has received a letter from Mr. and Mrs. E.W. St. Clair of Sherwood, Oregon, expressing gratitude for the extra efforts made to locate the owners of a captured German helmet, which reached the Medford office from France without an address, and which was finally found to be intended for Mr. and Mrs. St. Clair. It was sent by one of their sons in service. We are very proud of our boys over there, and prize the helmet highly, they wrote. Time to cinch those belts and pull out your pocketbooks. And not a peep of complaint should be heard, for your government needs you, and this is your patriotic duty. The Fourth Liberty Loan Campaign opened Saturday, September 20th, 1918. While the fourth Liberty Bond campaign opening begins Saturday night with the big patriotic parade of mothers, wives, and sisters of soldiers, the Red Cross, and others, followed by speeches, the actual campaign to raise Medford's quota will start off early Monday morning with a rush and a bang and 80 solicitors in the field. But don't wait for the big show to open Monday. Begin and end your own Fourth Liberty Bond campaign at once. Get down to the bank tomorrow morning and make your subscription for all you can possibly stand. And then plan to sacrifice and find a way to economize and sacrifice some more so as to take another bond or so more than you first thought you could. Do not wait for a solicitor. If you are not able to go tomorrow, and do it Monday, but be sure and do it next week, for the Medford District quota of the fourth Liberty Loan is going to be at least double what it was in the third Liberty Loan. That much is now known, although the formal allotment has not yet been made. So prepare to come across for your Uncle Samuel for humanity and civilization. For the boys at the front, to the extreme extent your pocketbook and patriotism allows. You must subscribe just double what you did in the last campaign. The government expects and hopes that the entire fourth Liberty Loan will be raised in one week by voluntary subscriptions. It's up to you. All the banks are now receiving subscriptions. As I said earlier, it seems that the Siskiyou saw a bit of rowdy action this week when bootleggers with 145 quarts of booze were caught in the act. Three Portland bootleggers who were attempting to import liquor in wholesale quantities in their auto from California to Portland came to grief last Thursday forenoon as they were caught red-handed up in the Siskiyou and are now languishing in the county jail awaiting sentence. Following their hearing before Justice Gowdy at Ashland yesterday, at which they pleaded guilty. As to whether there are higher-ups in the affair, or whether they were just working for themselves and trying to get the booze to Portland, County Prosecutor Roberts refuses to make any comment. Anyhow, pronouncement of sentence is being reserved on the defendants at the prosecutor's request and further important developments may follow. The prisoners, young men between twenty and twenty four years old, are George B. Goldenberry, Barney Perlman, and Morris Minsky. Their capture came about in a peculiar way. While coming over the mountain Thursday forenoon, a part of their car broke, and the car came to a stop so suddenly that Minsky, who is driving, was hurled through the windshield suffering cuts about the face and the loss of two teeth. The bootleggers then got busy and carried the 145 quarts of whiskey and three dozen bottles of beer to a place of concealment they selected on the mountainside. Then they hurriedly footed it to Ashland to hire another car and return for the booze. Not long after they had gone, a citizen whose name is not known at this time while coming over the mountain, saw the disabled car standing by the roadside. Becoming curious to see what had disabled it, looked it over and in so doing, found three quarts of whiskey, which the bootleggers had overlooked carrying to the hiding place. On looking around, the discoverer discerned a fresh trail leading from the auto up the hillside. Still giving bent to his curiosity, he followed the trail to its end where the booze had been placed in hiding. Then, hurrying to the nearest telephone, he called up Chief Thatcher of Ashland and told him of his find. He stayed on watch until Chief Thatcher arrived with an auto into which they loaded the whiskey and beer. Hardly had they completed their task, than the unsuspecting bootleggers arrived in an auto from Ashland to take charge of their illicit joy stuff. They were at once placed under arrest and taken to Ashland. Chief Thatcher conferred with Prosecutor Roberts over the phone, and on the latter's instructions, the prisoners were at once separated. One was brought to the Medford City Prison, another was taken to the Jacksonville Jail, and the third was placed in the Ashland Bastille. Each prisoner was then in turn sweated by the Prosecutor and his assistants, and kept separate until after their hearing, at which they pleaded guilty. In other news, the Medford State Militia Company, after weeks of hard drill, is now in splendid condition. As the company marched and drilled on the streets last night, many favorable comments were heard on its military appearance. The men now march with that precision and snap characteristic of a well-drilled body. And finally, as promised, I'll now tell you about the exciting war-related events I mentioned at the start of this broadcast. We, here in Medford, were treated to an awe-inspiring morning as thousands of citizens gathered to see grim war relics won by our own American soldiers. Of the crowd of several thousand people who gathered about the special train bearing trophies captured from the Germans by the American forces at Chateau Thierry, France, only about half were able to get into the boxcar where the smaller war relics were on exhibition during the hour and a half stop in Medford. This was Medford's first view of war trophies, and the grim exhibition was eagerly viewed. The big crowd was waiting when the train arrived at nine o'clock from Ashland, where another large throng had seen the relics this morning. After music by Root's band, Frank Grant and James Stapleton of Portland delivered short patriotic addresses, urging the liberal purchasing of liberty bonds. The speakers were introduced by W.A. Carter of Portland, formerly of Gold Hill. In the meantime, the crowd began forming in line and passing through the boxcar to see the smaller exhibits. Robert E. Smith of Roseburg, state chairman of the Liberty Loan Campaign, and editor J.F. Shelton of the Eugene Guard were also on the train. Probably the most interesting and conspicuous of the war-worn rusty trophies was the French MM MM-75 gun, which was originally captured by the Germans and later recaptured by the Americans. One woman, while gazing at this piece of artillery with awe and reading the sign on it, French MM 75, exclaimed to her companions, My goodness alive! That awful thing shoots 75 miles! The German whiz-bang, taken from the Germans at Chateau Thierry by the Americans, gave the assembled people an idea of the death-dealing agencies against which the American boys are battling, as did the captured German field guns, trench mortars and howitzers, automatic machine guns and zeppelin shells. Most of these were mounted on the flat car. In the box car were exhibited smaller weapons, such as automatic rifles, hand grenades, bomb throwers, six-inch shells and machine gun and other cartridges. A detail of soldiers from the Vancouver barracks not only guarded the trophies and preserved order in the crowd, but enlivened the occasion by singing a number of army songs, including the humorous ditty, All we do is sign the payroll, and we never get a doggone cent. Two buglers, with their blowing the various army calls, gave a touch of military realism to the occasion. Before the train pulled out, the crowd and soldiers gave three cheers for President Wilson, General Pershing, and for the Army, Navy, and Marine Corps. The train departed promptly at 10.30 for Gold Hill, stopping there for a short time. Foremost stops were scheduled today for Grants Pass, Glendale, and Roseburg. The train made stops at Klamath Falls and Montague on Sunday. On the sides of the cars in large letters were the following inscriptions. Some of the bacon the boys are bringing home. And Liberty Bonds enabled our boys to wreck this havoc. Well, my friends, that's all I've got for you this week. Thanks for listening. Remember, these news stories have been brought to you by the Mail Tribune a weekly series featuring news items that were drawn from the archives of the Mail Tribune from 100 years ago. You can find more stories like this in the Mail Tribune 100 column in the newspaper or online at mailtribune.com. We also have a whole slew of other podcasts on a wide variety of topics. You're sure to want to check them out. And also, be sure to follow us. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, Twitter, and YouTube. If you like this podcast or if something you'd like to share with me, let me know in the comments or on Facebook. I would love to hear from you. Have a swell day and check back next week for more stories from the Archive.